When the moon hits your eye like a bigger pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past Best Picture winners for your reconsideration. I am your host, Stephen Buja, and joining me, as always, the one, the only, Amy Thomason. Amy, how are you doing? And happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. Woo! You doing anything fun? Did you do anything fun? Uh, we are planning to do something fun. Oh. My husband and I are like ships in the night. He works from about 6 o'clock in the evening until about 7 o'clock the following morning, so... We're going to see each other at dinner on Wednesday. Hey, dinner. Dinner is lovely. That sounds great. Uh, well, we are a couple that don't really you know, do Valentine's Day, don't, don't, do, don't do much. So I imagine it'll be a lot like the other nights where we watch like, the Olympics, have some uh, homemade dinner, and snuggle up on the couch. So You make every day Valentine's Day. I, we do. We really do. And in honor of Valentine's Day the holiday of love, we thought, why not review the movie that is literally called Love? It's love in French. It's Amour, the 2012 Best Foreign Language Film winner, uh, written and directed by Michael Haneke, starring Emmanuel Riva, Jean-Louis Trintignant, and Isabelle Huppert. I definitely butchered a lot of those names. Had you... Have you seen Amour before? And follow-up question that, are you familiar with the works of Michael Haneke? No to both. No to both. Okay. No to both. What was your, what it's was, a what, totally new experience. What, what was your impression going into this movie? You have French drama. Uh, it looks very, it's called Love. It looks very serious. What did you, what did you expect? I had a feeling it was going to be sad. Just that that image of on all the posters of the man's hands on his wife's face, and she's got such a sweet little face. She does. She's just she's got this face, and it's just such a beautiful. It's an impossibly French face. Right. She's in her eighties, but she's like you know, gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, those French ladies they know how to they know how to age. They do. Catherine well. Deneuve is another one. Well, yes. Oh, oh my, my, my. Seafront Indochine, another best picture. Yes, when we will, we'll we'll get to that one uh, later on. Definitely, as you, as, in case you haven't noticed, folks, we're kind of get going. We're doing a lot of foreign foreign language films. It's an attempt to sort of balance out because we don't want to just burn through all of the rest of the best picture winners and then do nothing but foreign films because I don't think you like it. So we're gonna. We're, we're going to tease things out. We're going to be like, here's a foreign film, here's an animated, here's a reconsideration, and boom, here's the best picture for you. So in case you're wondering what's going on, that's what's going on. Myself, I did not see this film in theaters, and I actually have never seen a Haneke film. I'm familiar with him by reputation. He is one of the most respected, I believe he is Austrian filmmakers in the, in the world uh his 1997 film funny games uh is one of the one of those landmark takes on violence it was even remade 10 years later uh to uh both too much acclaim and he's won countless awards and whatnot but this was his first big uh this was like his first big like movie in the states this film won the palme d'or at the 2012 can film festival and uh made quite an impression here across the pond and what in, what an impression that was we will discuss its oscar win and its oscar nominations right after this short break uh, thank you very much for this honor i have to thank uh, michael parker tom bernard from sony classics thank you very much thank you to my producers they are here all uh margaret menegos Michael Katz, Veit Heidushka, Stefan Arndt. Uh, thank you to my great crew. Thank you to my wife. She was a member of the crew. She is supporting me since 30 years. You are the center of my life. And uh, thank you above all uh, 
to my both main actors, Emmanuel Rivard and Jean-Louis Trintignant, because without them, I will not stay here. Thank you. Amour won one Academy Award at the 85th Annual Award Ceremony on February 24th, 2013. That was obviously, clearly, Best Foreign Language Film. But it was nominated for four other awards. What were they? They were, and it really, big ones. Big, yes. big, big. Best Picture. Correct. Best Actress for Emmanuel Riva. Hmm. Best Director and Best Original Screenplay. Okay. For, yes. Uh, that's, I mean, if you, if you got to get nominated for five Academy Awards, you could do much worse than that. Um, that year, Best Picture went to Ben Affleck's Argo, a film that we have covered on this podcast before, and a film I really still enjoy uh, so much, and I'm actually very happy about that, about that win. Uh, Best Actress went to Jennifer Lawrence at the age of 22 or something for Silver Linings Playbook, which, um, I mean, it's a movie I enjoy and it's certainly in the David O. Russell catalog, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tweak, I'm gonna tweak Amy here. That looks so much better when you compare it next to American Hustle. Boom! Oh, Boom. those Set are it. fighting words. Set it. Well, I will, I will say this really super quickly because I know you already did Argo. She was not a lead actress in that movie. She was not. No, no, she was. She was a thousand percent supporting actress it's just like patricia neal with the movie hud where i don't know on what planet they stuck her into best actress right. if you anyone stood out it should have been bradley cooper instead of daniel day lewis for that horrible piece of tripe lincoln which i'm gonna tweak you yeah, i know we just we just go back and forth it's like we're married but we but we aren't you know and for the for the record most of the times when people when people do the this act, this this person should have been a supporting actor. The go-to case is Anthony Hopkins for *Science of the Lambs*, just because Jennifer Lawrence was still in the movie a lot. Anthony Hopkins was not in *Science of the Lambs* a lot. That's just that's just my professional opinion. But I do appreciate the callback to HUD. Damn, that's uh, that's that's like that's something I'm like. Of course, Amy said that. Of course, she did. Um, Best supporting actor for Melvin Douglas. Woohoo! What? Um, best I don't know what you signed up for. Michael, Michael Haneke lost to Ang Lee for uh, Ang Lee's second Academy Award for directing the beautiful Life of Pi. And Best Original Screenplay went to Quentin Bad in a Car Crash Tarantino for Django Unchained. Um, my best pick for that year, by the way. That would have been my best picture for the uh, year. Let's see, that year. Was that a loop? Was that 2012? That was, that was Looper. I think that was Looper for me. That was like my all-time. I love that movie. I left. I walked out of the movie, Lincoln, to go into the theater to see Django for a second time. Wow. Damn. I, <laughs> that's, that, that says something. What? I don't know, nor do I have the time to understand what. Amor was the official entry for Austria that year. The film is shot and recorded in French. It is the seventh foreign language film in Academy history to be nominated for Best Picture, the first since the expansion for the 2009 ceremony, which opened up it to more than just five nominees. Just off the top of the head, I actually don't know this. Do you know some of the other ones? Lee Ball. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> that was a fanny Alexander. Just want to see if you're paying attention. Uh, Contiki for Norway. War Witch from Canada. No, 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 no. Uh, uh, well, yes, okay. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Okay, Contiki. Also, I think I know what you're talking about. Uh, Royal Affair for Denmark Mark. and No nope. for Chile. You're talking about other movies that have been nominated. nominated. Yes, but you know, whatever. I mean, obviously, one is Life is Beautiful. We got that. Anyways. Yes. Um, Dragon. Yes. Have you seen Have you seen any of these other films that were nominated? I have not. There's really only one year, which we will cover at another time, where I've seen the winner and the one that I think should have won. Oh, for, for foreign far, I have one foreign language for your reconsideration. Oh, okay, okay. Um, 
I believe uh, I think a royal affair made some some marks. It's Mad it's Mad Nicholson. It's about royalty, obviously. Uh, it's Nicol It's directed by uh, Nicol Nicolaj Nikolai. It's with the J Arcel, who would go on to direct the Dark Goddamn Tower, which is one of the worst movies and what seriously hands down one of the most insipid and terrible adaptations of a novel I have ever seen and a waste of an incredibly good cast but that's that's I really my that. that's really just my that's my only connection to anything here in this in this in this race uh warwitch from canada uh so I, it is not as cool as one thinks it is but it's still actually kind of cool it's about child soldier it's about child soldier who the other child soldiers think is a witch I'm like all right, i was hoping to be like a witch who goes to war but anyways um during this this year, Emmanuel Riva became the oldest actress to be nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress at 85. Uh, who is the oldest to win? Jessica Tandy. Yes. How old was she? 1989. I'm driving Miss Daisy. How old was she when she yes. won? She was like 86. She was 80. She was, 80. She was 80 in like eight months or something like that. But yes, Jessica Tandy for Driving Miss Daisy. And boy, howdy, can't, I can't wait to get to that movie because, ooh, yeah. Yeah, that's a, it's, a, it's, it's a thing, and it will be covered at one point in the future. But in the immediate future, we are going to take a short break. and we come back, we are finally going to discuss a moment. Dans l'éventuelle pulsion pubertaire. Mais le pire, c'était la nourriture. Le troisième jour de notre arrivée, au repas du midi, il y a eu du riz au lait. Je déteste le riz au lait. Nous étions assis autour de longues tables dans une salle immense. Je ne voulais pas manger de ce machin. Et un, un éducateur m'a dit, euh, si tu ne finis pas ton assiette, Tu ne sors pas d'ici. Donc, après le repas, tout le monde est sorti. Et je suis resté seul, en larmes. J'avais conclu avec maman un pacte secret. Je devais lui écrire chaque semaine. Et je devais lui envoyer une carte postale. Si le séjour me plaisait, je devais y dessiner des fleurs. Et sinon... Des étoiles. Elle a gardé la carte. Elle était recouverte d'étoiles. Après trois heures, j'ai pu enfin sortir. Je suis monté dans ma chambre. Je me suis couché. J'avais plus de 42 fièvres. C'était la diphtérie. On m'a emmené dans l'hôpital le plus proche où on m'a mis en quarantaine. Ce qui fait que maman, quand elle est venue me voir, n'a pu que me faire des signes derrière la vitre. Un jour, je n'ai plus retrouvé cette carte. Uh, as with a lot of foreign films, most people don't know exactly what's going on. So, Amy, what is Amour all about? And no spoilers. Getting old. <laughs> yeah, boom, succinct. I liked it. Getting old with the one you love. You get it. You're getting old together. Um, well, as with uh, the film opens kind of at the ending, so we you know we can we can say, we can safely say that the film opens with the uh, fire department in Paris, I believe, knocking down the door and discovering the dead body of Anne, played by Manuel Riva, and then we flash back to a couple months before to see what exactly. Um, happens. So the question is always, when you know the ending, how does it affect the viewing of a movie like like this? And, and not in not in a oh I've seen this movie before so I know what happens. But they tell you the fate of one of the characters directly at the beginning, and they go back to show you how. How does that how does that affect your view of the rest of the movie? I think it it sets you up for. 
I don't want to say a mystery, but sort of revealing. You're like, oh, this is the movie's going to tell me how this person died. Mm-hmm. And some there are movies where sometimes you almost forget about that, which I would say like American Beauty, where at the beginning you know he's going to die, but by the middle of the movie that it's so full of other stories, you almost kind of forget that until he reminds you at the end of the film, this is the day I'm going to die. But with this, it's elderly people. She's dead. It You kind of know it's not going to be this interesting, ooh, how would she die? She's like in yeah. her 80s. <laughs> but it, it does become an interesting, uh, how do you die? Because um, it, it stops, to me, it stopped being a question of, uh, like, had, like, had you just, had you walked in, like, two minutes into the movie and not having seen that scene, you'd be like, like, oh, you, I, th- I think you'd spend all this time and mental energy going, is she going to die? Is, like, is someone dying? Who's dying? Is someone going to die here? And not, and rather than, okay, I need to pay attention to understand how she is going to die. Because it's not a question of will, you know, will she, won't they? That's, that's so binary and uh, uninteresting. It's the how do we get from how do we get here from where we then restart the movie with these two older people, this this loving octogenarian couple in their in their marriage, and I uh, that makes it a much more interesting uh, tale for me, at least, uh, and it adds a sense of um, I think I guess futility would be because you because you watch this and. Now you know that no matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what they do, what they go through, if they uh, if they struggle and like succeed, they get over whatever mountains they have to climb metaphorically. That they're not going to that this still happens, and and it's uh, and yet somehow in that futility, there is a grace there. I think it's because you know we're all we're all going to die anyway, so. May as well make the most of it, I guess. And Lord knows they try. Um, so that brings us to uh, Anne and George, or George Georges, Georges, uh, a married couple, married for uh, decades now. Former former music teachers, retired, cultured, elegant, live in a stunningly gorgeous apartment. Oh my god! That's what I thought. Oh, it's like. <laughs> I love I love my apartment, but I love their apartment. All the work, the yeah. everything. Yeah, and we and we meet them alive uh, when they're 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 just getting back from uh, a recital from a, a, a former student, and which is a great shot that I love because you don't know who exactly you're supposed, supposed to, to look at. Right. That's it's right. just and that was sort of it. I don't want to say an opening shot, but it's it, definitely it a flash. It holds that shot. Oh yeah, it's and it, and it's great because I'm like I'm looking around like because usually directors they'll they'll put the person the character center they'll do something to highlight who's just nope it's just like I'm like who like I I get we're supposed to be seeing somebody but I don't know I'm like and then I see two older folks I'm like I think that's them I like to, I like to say that yeah I was right but uh, who knows uh, but they come home and then we finally get to hear them interact what do you make of their first conversation? About the being burgled and whatnot. I just, I just love these people. I can't, <laughs> this whole movie seemed so real to me. And it just seems, they seemed like a married couple. And that's the kind of, I don't want to say inane conversations that you have. Mm-hmm. But you can say just, it. It's an inane conversation. It's yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, they're not talking about these deep, meaningful things. It's, Oh, you think this happened? Oh, gee, I, I don't, I don't really know. And it's they're taking their coats off, and right. it really feels voyeuristic in a way. It feels like there's a like we're sitting there watching them have this personal, inane conversation. Yeah, and the yeah. camera, the, and the camera just lingers. In a way that you only have conversations like that with your spouse after you've been married for decades. Right. They're not trying to impress each other or be dazzlingly witty or anything like that, but. But there's that love. Yeah, that's what makes that. I, I, you immediately know everything you need to know about these characters. Like they love each other, but man, they are so tired. Like ah, oh. 
one thing I love about being married, and you know, maybe you can back me up on this, is that I don't need to dress up. I don't need to impress. If there's a date night, when the, on the rare occasions there is a date night, it's like, you know, I'll just throw on a, I'll throw on one of my jackets. It's we don't have to make it a whole thing, and it's that, that's really nice. And I, I think, I think as a, ma- I think, I think as married people, and it, it would be great if we had like a single person, like we can, we can go. I, I, I understand that and I like that. Whereas maybe a single person would go, oh God, does that is that what I have to look forward to? Just talking about like talking over one another, like we're hungry, but no. But what about this? What if we get burgled? Who cares if we get burgled? And it's just it's it's a brilliantly written screenplay. It's 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 so well written that and and, nat- and natural that you go, they have to be, they have to be just like. Just playing jazz, that they have to be like improvising, and what apparently, literally every word they say is every word on is every word on the script. Haneke just wrote this, and they never once veered from it. And I got, I got, I got to hand it to him, hand it to him for that. Um, okay, we got to talk about love. Um, it's uh, it's a great feeling, the feeling that makes existence. And time, time being what it is, worth it because it's you know a whole whole number of reasons. And uh, love and sentiment. How would you describe this film in terms of sentimentality? I wouldn't necessarily say it's sentimental. I think it hit me in a lot of different ways. When you were talking about the the routine that they have and that they're not trying to impress each other, it's true, but. One thing I also noticed is they did, they were a little bit dressed up to go out. This is a very sophisticated couple. And I noticed it the most after she had her stroke. And at the beginning, you know, she's got that striking face. When she was much closer to the end of the movie, she definitely was not looking as good as she did at the beginning of the movie. And it's not like all this time had gone by. And I think that there were slight little physical changes. I don't know if they didn't put yeah. makeup on her or something like that. But when you start to lose even that little bit of dignity, yeah. that really does change a person. And um, it made me think of like my mom had an aunt who always looked put together her entire life. And when she finally died, she looked like a totally different person. And it broke my mom's heart because she said she always had her hair perfect, even right. if she wasn't doing – you know what I mean? Th- those – little kinds of things where even if they weren't trying to necessarily dress up and he did have a nice little jacket, you know what I'm saying? Like they did still put that effort in. And I think that's the difference between people who still kind of have it all together and people who really have just given up hope. (laughs) You have that, you have that inane conversation and stuff, but you still have that. I'm still going to comb my hair. I'm still going to put my little jacket on things like that. And when someone does just not care because they're not, they're going through dementia and they're not really themselves anymore. I did notice that change, but this is so much personal stuff, but like my parents have a really good friend who has, well, she has MS and she's in a wheelchair and she's been in a wheelchair for decades. So they've kind of had to go through a lot of this caretaker. I mean, he carries her up the stairs every night. He bathes her, he washes her, he gets her dressed. He used to drive her to work. And just how much, what is love? Love is doing all those things. It's not always pretty and romantic with young Catherine Deneuve. Sometimes old Catherine Deneuve. And when people lose their faculties, but you're still there and you still love them, that's, that's the real stuff. Yeah. That's the, um, I watch a lot of Hallmark movies. I admit it. I'm fine. I'm fine with it. They're great to have on in the background. They're dumb, insipid, but also just kind of fun because you can hate so, watch them. Oh, yeah, you can hate watch them, and li- everything always works out exactly the way you want to. You're like, okay, okay, I get that. And it's that's 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 the love story we 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 tell ourselves because it makes you feel good and it's gooey and like, yay, these young pretty and people are getting. And the person good. dies, it's like Nicole Kidman at the end of Moulin Rouge. She still looks stunningly beautiful. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's the. Amour is a stunningly, almost violently unsentimental view. It 
it is it is warts and all it is disease and old age and the ravages of time and everything it um it's uh i would i would say shockingly accurate but uh you know i have not been through this situation and thankfully will not have to be presented with such a situation for many 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 years but it uh will i think in presenting something so matter of factly uh just just a relationship there's not really much of a plot there's nothing that really has to go on it's just this couple dealing with the slow decay of 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 one of its members i think in presenting that it becomes so much more harrowing than you know like Moulin, like I, I like I'm with you. I, I love Moulin Rouge. It's oh. wild and colorful and fantastic and, and and emotional. And you're like, yes. And there's music and it swells and you just feel all these feelings and you feel so hopeful about things. And then at the and end, it's sad. Every, every, and everyone's beautiful, beautiful. But then you 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 like you smash cut to a more and then there's this and you go, yeah. We might we might want Moulin Rouge, but. We're going to get a more, and That's so this is, is this 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 is what this is what we have to contend with as people. It's not we're we're on stage and we're singing. It's we're at home and we're we're all books. going to be yes. And that was the most disturbing thing about the entire movie. Yeah, and it, but you know, what? Like, oh, but you know what? it wasn't disturbing. It, it wasn't disturbing. It was kind of it was sweet it was sweet in its own very real realistic way a realistic way and that is obviously helped by um both of the actors uh reva gets the lion's share of acclaim and Skernam. i i understand that she, the 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 physical acts that she has to do with her body where you know she has a stroke and so she loses command of the right side of her of her body so her legs are stuck and her arm is sort of up here twisted like a like a, like a little velociraptor it, it's it's brilliant and she's the one who has to she's the one who has to fall apart i mean they both fall apart but she's the one who like physically falls apart how did what are you, what are your thoughts on on reva's performance here and was it worthy of an oscar nomination i i think it was but i went in expecting her to be great because she's all i heard about when the movie came out her her beautiful little face just when he cups her face and she's got this face and it's just so pretty uh-huh. and so i thought oh clearly she's going to be great the real surprise because i'd heard nothing about the performance was the husband yes because that's rough we look at her and we think isn't that tragic but you look at him and it's like what the hell is he going to do what is he going to do? And if you've ever had invalid relatives like I have, where that was the situation, the older husband who wasn't in hot shape himself was her sole caretaker. Yeah. And um, I thought he was really powerful. He really had to make all the tough decisions. And in addition to the emotions of having to watch this person that you love more than anything fall apart like that. Yeah. And, and and he had to, he had to be the he had to be the face he had to he the one who had to deal with the the nurses and their daughter played by the, the wonderful Isabel Huppert and uh, and and everything he Riva is like she's the one who goes through just all these just like moments that you're, when you're so dignified like that like wetting the bed that is is a humiliation and an embarrassment but the this husband has to you know, putting on a brave face is still is uh, a courageous act, and it's re- and it's so tough. And to have to and to have to try and you know do all, you're doing all these things. You're trying to force your wife, this woman, the person you love, to drink something. To like, you need to stay hydrated. You need to have this. And when she mm-hmm. doesn't, and you just you can feel the frustration. In both of you, because she's like, why, why are we even doing this? She's like, but you have to live. And she's like, no. And you, you end up like, you slap her. And like, when that happens, like, oh, like, oh my oh, god, so oh my god, it's just there. Like, there's, there's scene after scene of this, this dynamic between them where they're, she's pulling away 
like lit, like physically like literally she's like she's falling apart and he's tra- having to drag them but like maybe it's not that's not what's what's supposed to happen like um uh it, it's you get you get you get wrapped up in them and it's a movie where like nothing happens it's but no. it's so captivating and intoxicating because you just because because well nothing happens you still want to know like okay well we know i know we know something happens we know that she dies so so how do how do we get there and to see that as you say voyeuristic look at them as they go through this it's it's heartbreaking there's there's one there's one scene where um and before she like becomes completely bedridden she asks to like where are the photo albums i just i just want to look at them and she's just flipping through them, and you have pictures of them when they're younger. And she, there's this, there's this great, this great exchange that I think sums up a lot. And she just, you know, it's 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 simple. She says it's it's beautiful. He goes, what? Life. It's just, it's it's like I just like, and that and like I think right after that, that's when it all started to come apart at the seams. And she had another stroke, and she got uh you got more sick and bedridden and then isabel bear was you know there's she was you know she started um isabel bear was talking to uh his, her mom and her mom was just crushingly she was speaking but it just made no sense and everyone was just ripped apart and you can just you can take out any scene in this movie and show it and as uh as a way to demonstrate any number of things for a film class, and I, th- I think I think it would work it would work brilliantly. And I do I do before we get to the talk where this is all leading, I do have to say that uh, it is a movie that takes place in a, during a specific set time and a specific place. Uh, it takes place all in this one uh, very large um, French apartment, and it doesn't get enough technical credit. Michael Haneke knows what the hell he is doing with uh, all stages of, of filmmaking, not just script and script and acting. He uh, is a great technical director. As I, w- I was reading up on this, in that uh, those beautiful windows that they have and looking outside, all of that was green screen. All of the wi- all of the w- all of the windows are green screen, and that is wow. see that is what CGI is supposed to do. That's it's supposed to enhance. It's supposed to enhance the things because you know because it's supposed to beat you over the head. It's, it, it's not. I, I imagine they did it because that you just get, but you get more even lighting. You don't have to worry about rainy days or whatnot. And you can just film like till whenever. So to have that, like that is that is that is brilliant. And uh, this film, uh, it's it sounds amazing too. For as quiet as it is, you really hear noises when it when it counts. Um, and because it, it's all contained, you see George's leave the house every now and then, but we never see where he go. Like he goes to like the, the grocery store or whatever. It, it captures this this loneliness of the place. Um, and Isolation. It's like a prison almost. It's, yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a very comfortable, loving. It's a loving prison. But <laughs> don't get me wrong, it's a prison I'd love to live in. That that oh. apartment. Good lord. Oh, it's it's fabulous. But uh, it's it's saying that you know. When you're in a relationship, it can feel like nothing else exists outside of that relationship. And here, like, nothing else exists outside of this apartment. And this apartment is the home, the hearth. It is the culmination of a life together. Uh, and uh, so, you know, when you watch this movie, what don't you don't just have to read it because I know it's a foreign film, but you you should look at it and observe just what Haneke is doing. With every shot and with his location and, and especially with his sound work, and it's um, uh, it, it's marvelous, it's marvelous. Um, so let's talk about George's memory. Earlier, he told Anne that uh, he had uh, he had lots of stories that he hadn't told her, and you know we all have. My my, my wife the other day said like you know I don't. And we were talking to my daughter who can't understand. She's like yeah your husband my your dad doesn't have any secrets, but you know he has. He has things he hasn't told me, but those aren't the same. He just, they just like stories don't come up. You don't remember them and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, so he tells this wonderful story about about this time, uh, this time he spent at camp. Uh, what did you think of that? 
And don't and before we get to what he did, how did you react to uh, how did you react to that story? How did you how did you feel about it? I thought it was interesting. I was wondering if it was something that he had told her before. And my guess is probably not. And that it just, it's just such a powerful scene. Just, just thinking about that scene, just I'm like getting emotional thinking about it, but, um, it just, the, the powers of memories, the things that we choose to tell people our stories is just as important as our stories itself. You know what I'm saying? I think so. Like, like the kind of story that he chose to tol- tell her, it wasn't like, oh, a happy memory both of us shared. Just that, oh, here's just a calming story right. to, to right. share here, with you. Here's a, here, here's a story about uh, uh, a story about me. Something, one last piece of me for you to for you to know. And um, exactly, and and the moment he chose to tell her the story that he told her is just as powerful, I think. Right. Now in that moment, what would, what story would you tell somebody in that moment, which I'm not going to say. Right. Right. Um, I mean, I, I, I try to, I try to think, and I, I don't know, but you know, memories, especially my memory is a weird thing. It just, it comes up and certain things hit you. And this was about, uh, this was, this was letters he was writing to his, his mom. As I recall, right, put the stars on it, and it was covered in stars, and he was having a bad time. And uh, during this, this was where I think Haneke uh, surprises you, and this is where this film surprised me because you're like, all right, this we're coming towards the end, you can just feel like we've been we've been with this couple a while. She's going like, oh, she's just gonna. He's telling this story, and generally that's cue for all right. As as you tell the story, the person you are telling it to, who is sick and in bed, is going to pass away just gently, very very gently. But she doesn't. No. You know. Um. Uh. For folks, spoiler alert: What happens is that George George just finishes the story, and then I I don't want to say viciously, I don't want to say violently, but it is a just it is a quick act. He takes a pillow and he smothers her. He smothers his wife. Uh, what? How did you feel about that? So many different emotions. I was surprised he did it. In some ways, I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. Because it seemed like a very traditional, and then she dies, and then he's going to hold her, and then it's going to like pan out, and the music's going to play. And like I had it all worked out in my head. Right. And then that's not what happened. And it was very like in real time. It was not very quick. No. It seemed like it took a while. It, and it, so you get very uncomfortable watching it. Yeah. It takes like, a while to, to choke somebody. Just go already. Just go like or pan out, but we watched the whole thing, and it's this is why I'm shocked that he wasn't nominated. And yes, there were a lot of powerful performances nominated that year, but to deliver the monologue under the subtext of I'm getting ready to smother this woman that I love. So you're telling the story like as an actor, I can't imagine having to perform that. And then, and then the actual act, mm-hmm. just <sighs> powerful. Yeah, it's very. It's uh, it was to me in a film that is filled with unsentimentality, devoid of you know showy manipulations of emotion. Um, I the most sentimental moment i took it as this is a this is this is a, this is a good thing um it was uh every complicated emotion you wanted to feel it was it was beautiful and terrifying and uh, heartbreaking and also really sweet uh one of i i'm trying to think it's one of to me one of the greatest acts of love i've seen uh watching movies for this show um just your your breath your heart is is stopped your 
you're holding your breath just because you're like, I, I'm not sure how to feel, but like, yes, like this woman is in pain and she's not herself. She's not, she's not herself. She the wants subtle this physical differences by that point in the movie. If you really look at her face, she looks haggard. Oh yeah. She, she's, she's, I mean, she she's ready to go. She's, she's ready to go. And you feel that relief. And what, again, I thought was so great about the acting is he wasn't sobbing and it wasn't this whole I love you and this whole romantic story that he talked about this story that has nothing really to do with his wife. That's mm -hmm. what I thought was so powerful. It could have been, oh, remember when we met and romance and cue the violins and the swelling and the tears. There was none of that. No. Yet it was so realistic like I said, it felt like almost like, oh, excuse me, I can't watch this because I'm I'm getting this intimate moment that's so private. Yeah. And not a lot of movies really can do that. Not a lot of movies do it well. Yeah. This movie does it um does it very well. And uh to ease the suffering of the person you love, uh it's beautiful and poetic. And I don't know if I could ever do it, honey, if you're listening. Um <laughs> Sorry, I, it just that that takes that right there. That's why this movie is called a bore. That's why it's called like to do something like that for the person that you have spent your life with. I that there is no greater show of of love and indeed kindness than um, than that, and it's. Uh, you know, even think about it now, it still it still moves me just by its in how just in how it happens and how Haneke sets the scene and how it's one shot. It's he start he moves from the bathroom to the bed, and it lasts several minutes, and then it just and then it and then it's it's, it's gorgeous. Um, there's a couple more things. Uh, so let's calm down. Uh. At two points in the movie, before and after um, Anne dies, there a pigeon gets into the apartment. I uh, loved that. Yeah, I, I loved that. I loved it. And since this is a French film, obviously things mean other things. What do you think the pigeon? Uh, what What did the pigeon represent? To you. Gee, wow. Um, come on, theater. Was, come on, theater girl. I was prepared for this essay question. Um, <laughs> I I almost saw it as, and this is probably wrong, but just kind of almost a reminder of life outside the apartment. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. And that's it's fair. sort of because I think, especially at the end, it's so haunting. I guess that's the best way to describe it. It's just haunting all the way around. And you're so in this, like, bubble. And then he gets out, and it's almost like you're in a trance. And then there's the pigeon and not, and not like in a comic relief kind of a way, but just as like, it kind of brings you back to like, Oh, now we're back into kind of the outside right. world. That's There's what life. it did for me emotionally. I'm sure it symbolized life or death or something yeah. on a bigger scale. But for me in that moment, it just kind of broke that spell that we've all been in since his, the beginning of his monologue. Right. Right. Um, I'd have to, I'd, I'd have to say like this, it's one of those one of those metaphors that it could just be it's a pigeon and it's just like something for him to do. But you can read you can read it as it's come it's come to take in a way sort of her soul. It's it's a represent yeah, it's a representation of life and the love they had and how you can't, you know, you can't contain things, you know, he catches it, but then what does he do with it? He just, he just lets it go. He's like, I was like, I got it, but now it's not, it's not, it's not meant for me. And it's, it's, uh, it's as, as, as we all are, we are all just passengers on a number on someone else's ship, depending mm -hmm. on the point of view of the story being told. Then the pigeon, the, the pigeon could be something like that. Oh, so there, if you have a, if you have an idea as to what the pigeon might be, feel free to uh, feel free to write us. But uh, finally, one last one last metaphorical thing: what happens at the end? George's is uh, he, you know, hears Anne washing washing dishes. What happens then? <laughs>
Gosh, I don't re- honestly remember. Oh, okay. I don't. I watched this movie yesterday. <laughs> yeah, it's, he's watching her wash dishes, and it's just and, and that and that. But they have to, they have to go. They have to go. She exits the apartment, but before then, she makes sure that he has a coat because you know what? Where we're going, it's cold. And I gotta say, we didn't see his body, but George's is cl- he clearly dies at the end. Uh, like I I I think I. You look away for a second and you missed that. I totally was like, oh, he's imagining, and they're kind of going back into their life. But you look away. Oh no, my god! No, I know, I know, I know. I think, I think it was the you know his, his his spirit is leaving. It's he's leaving the house. You know, it's it started that we we saw the house. The first time we saw the house, it was them entering, both of them entering, and the last time, both of them leaving, and like that. You know, that's where their life was, and. Since she is she is dead, there's no more there's no more reason for for him to for him to go on. And as as with a lot of the case, you know, couples who are married a long time they die within a, a short time one another. Yes. What a great way to end, though. I mean, what is love if not making sure your loved one has a coat so they'll be warm? Exactly. And like if that's... that like that is such a that is like I'm gonna say that's such a wife thing to do. It's like just honey, it's cold outside. Let's let's go. Like. All right. Make All sure right. you've got your coat. Like yeah. that's so sweet. Yeah, and then finally the last shot is uh, the the great Isabel Huppert, who we didn't get to, didn't really get to talk about, but she's she's marvelous in this as Eva, the the daughter. She uh, it, it's a continuation of the opening scene. She just goes into this empty apartment, which you know even I could feel like there was an energy coming off the screen. So like this does not feel the same. Like I've I've been to my I went to my grandmother's house after she passed. It just didn't feel the same. It's because there's, you know, a house. A house is just a house. It's a home. A home is home is the people. And she sits in this in the living room where all the books are, and cut the black end credits. Drama, drama, drama. Tears, tears, tears. So, um, the question we have to ask, and I, and it's you know always hard. It's always hard to say, especially with the foreign films, because we don't watch all of them. Can't watch all of them. Did Amor deserve best foreign language? Yes, and it deserved the Best Picture nomination that it got. Absolutely. I would have liked uh, the the actor who played George to get a nomination, though. I think that was really that was a miss because that's not easy to play at all. Oh yeah, he he came out. He hadn't acted, I think, in seven years, and Haneke wrote the script specifically for him, and he. Uh, Took it and did all that he could and more with it. It's um, it just seemed powerful. so real, and I know that sounds like such a shallow thing to say. It just seemed so real, and right. if it doesn't, I mean, I don't know how anyone could watch this movie and not think about your own life, think about your parents, think about your grandparents, okay. think about your children, think about your spouse. I mean, all those things and those ugly things that we don't really want to think about. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's to me, it's a reminder of. Everything love is. It's uh, that love is, you know, beautiful. It's also ugly and frustrating. Frustrating, and it's fucking hard. It's it's a it's a drudgery. You know, a, a wonderful drudgery of meals and dishes and stupid conversations because you've already you've already said everything smart you're ever <laughs> going to say to them back when you're trying to you know marry them, um, or sometimes you know you just. There's no conversations at all. You just hang out together. You watch TV, or you don't do anything. You just enjoy the silence. It's um, love is smoldering annoyance, you know, tempered with this uh, this enduring and um, unbelievable sense of companionship. Uh, it's magnificent and terrible, and so much of everything we do is for it. And uh, this this is a great film. Uh, absolutely worthy of the best picture nomination. If you want to say worthy of best picture itself, be like, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have to go back and revisit some of those movies, but it yeah, definitely deserved the nomination. Yeah, and yeah. it was the other thing is is it's sad and there's sadness to it, but you didn't feel like jumping off the roof of your house when it was done because it was so brutally depressing either. No, it was it was, contempl- it was contemplative. You were you were thinking like I just yes. you, you walk out there and you think I need like like you said I need to call my parents. 
I need yes. to call I need to call my spouse and uh, wife or husband and tell them honey I love, I, I love you I <laughs> I do and, and let's come up with a living will oh yeah yeah you all that's it's never it's never too early it's never too early for that you have any last thoughts about Amour none everyone should go see it everyone you should go see it yes i know it's in french and you have to read it and oh isn't that the worst but come on expand your horizons it's really good uh i know we're like you know i'm not saying it's a good time but we're saying it's uh, a great film that you all should check watch out. it once because i think that's you know i think i i get the impression that with a lot of haneke films you just need to see them once Revisiting them just might be a little too hard, a little, it's little not an, too much. It's not an entertaining film. No, no, but it's one I think <laughs> you should all see. So, uh, folks, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Oscar Watch. If you would like to send us your thoughts about Amore or anything else, really, you can write us an email at oscarwatchpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to find us on social media at oscarwatchpod. We love interacting with you on the social meds. Amy Thompson, where can folks find you? A Thompson on Twitter. Right. And Amy, I see, I know, I know we each are married to different folks, but I do have a Valentine's Day present for you. And that hey. is next week's movie. I can't read it. Oh, I can't read, oh, I'm holding it up. It's all about Eve. Yay! I figured, I figured, folks, we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do a little 1950s sort of retrospective. We're gonna do all about Eve, and then at least one other of the nominees that were for best picture that year. I think Amy knows which one. She's clapping. She's very excited. And uh, so we'll be back next week with that one. And until next time, we'll see you on the other side.